Children deal with death. They see it. They hear about it. They have a goldfish that suddenly is floating on its side. They see a dead bird in the street. They hear something on the radio while driving with mom. Someone died. Death is. And the sooner that you can start that conversation with your child, so it's not a scary, taboo subject, I think the better, you know, absolutely the better. I still see, I see so many adults that are, you know, they won't talk about it, but they're in their seventies and eighties and, and, but they won't, you know, won't make any plans. Won't, you know, it's like by not thinking about it, it doesn't exist. Well, it exists. What's up my little dead talkers. On this episode, I was fortunate enough to have best-selling author Patrice Karst as a guest who wrote an amazing children's book called The Invisible String. I know that sounds different. What does a children's book have to do with the podcast that talks about death? Well, this book has actually been used as a tool for any kind of loss or separation issues and used in schools, by psychologists, with hospice care, grief groups, military, and many, many more. She's made such an abstract, difficult topic of loss easy to absorb for children and also quite useful for adults across the globe. Without any further to do, I will now shut up and get this episode started. Patrice, that's right. Thank you for being here. I really appreciate you uh, you stepping up to be on my podcast. Well, thank you for having me. Of course, anytime. Uh, I just first off, I really wanted to say that your message really hit home for me. Without getting into my whole story, because this is not about me, <laughs> is I lost my dad at a young age. I know we didn't have a conversation prior, so it always intrigued me how to illustrate this message of death to children specifically, let alone adults. And I heard specifically in an interview that I watched you take uh, some time ago, it might've been recent, that you mentioned specifically how the conversation of death is taboo and how it's a conversation I think you should be having with children at a young age and the sooner the better. I think verbatim is something that you've said more or less. And I think it's a topic that is hard for anyone to grasp, let alone children. And I'm just so impressed with the methods of your book and how you were able to make something uh, you know, intangible, tangible, which I've also heard you mention. And just to get going and to hear less from me and more from you, I would love to hear if you share with listeners and myself a little bit more about the origin story of the theory of the invisible string and just kind of how that came to birth, if you don't mind. Sure. It's a story I like telling. Uh, so thank you. And thank you again for having me. And hello to your to your audience out there. I was a single working mom. This was in, gosh, I don't know, 1998, I think. Um, and my son was about five years old at the time. And I, he was in preschool, might have, might have been kindergarten. And when I would take him to school, he had really bad separation anxiety and he would cry when I had to leave. And it was just a horrible experience every morning for both of us. And one day I just told him what had always been sort of an obvious thing to me. And that was that we were connected by an invisible string and that if he missed me, all he had to do was tug on the string and then I would tug it back. And that even though we weren't in the same room or the same building, that we were still connected all day. And it was like, I literally saw the lights go on in his brain and his separation anxiety ended that day. I mean, that was how quick it was. Once he got that conceptual idea that we were connected by an invisible string, um, he was good. He was good to go. And then all his little friends wanted to hear about the invisible string because I'd heard that there's this string that connects them to their moms and dads and their dogs and cats and their grandparents. And so I knew I had something really unique, you know, really sort of special in that it was a tangible way to understand an abstract 
perhaps the most abstract concept of love, you know, because you can't even scientifically prove love. Love, love just is this, what is it, right? What is, what is it? So um, I went to a small publisher that I knew and he loved the story and published it. And the first 10 years, this was now, I think it, it was published in 2000. And the first 10 or so years, it was you know, doing very well. I was very happy and, you know, it was spreading its message and I was on to other books and projects and different things. And then it suddenly started to gain steam and it was being used by everyone, foster groups, adoption groups, divorce lawyers, the military, the prison system, therapists, schools, hospices, hospitals, you know, first day of school with teachers, graduation gifts, birthday gifts, you know, baby shower, like everyone was had discovered the invisible string and it seemed to just, it exploded at that point. And it's been exponentially growing and gaining steam and going around the world. We're now, it's now published in 15 or will be, we just signed with Turkey yesterday, 15 different languages and counting. So it's, it's a love train. <laughs> the love train is the overall message of what you're trying to, uh, you know, say to people. So the book is a children's book, but I found it so fascinating because it can be applicable to any age, which I'm sure you've realized. And you're telling me that it's been. A- well, yeah. So the thing about it, right. Is it is a picture book. It is very, Oh, and you've got, so that's the hardback version. This is the paperback version, same story, different art. And yeah, it's a kid's picture book. It's very clearly a children's picture book. And the phenomena is that parents buy it for their adult parents and spouses for each other and adult siblings. And it's become a way of saying to anyone you love, we have a string. And I I think it's kind of an interesting phenomena when a children's book, you know, flips over into being applicable to adults too. And and they pick up on it. And honestly, everything we ever needed to learn ever and still do is probably contained in a children's book. We don't need 500 page books to explain how life works. We really don't. Especially today, people can't even pay attention for more than seven seconds. That's exactly <laughs> right. Yeah. Thank God it's thank God I wrote children's books, right? Because I have a short attention span too. I know it's dumb. I'm kind of like right looking in the corner. No, but I'm interested in hearing real quick about you're saying how it's applied to hospice, military, psychiatrists. Do you know how they're applying it? Like, is it they simply just reading the book? Yeah, no, there's so many different things going on. And um, you know, the the prison system, there's a great organization called the Women's Storybook Project, for example, and they what they do is with incarcerated mothers who have children at home, um, they have the mothers read The Invisible String and other children's books and then give the children the CD or the, you know, whatever on the computers so they can hear their mothers reading to them with their own voice every single night. So the prisons use it to just help bridge that gap for the children and the loved ones of the incarcerated parents and therapists, obviously. I mean, it's the number one book for grief. It's the number one book for death and dying on Amazon for years now. Any kind of loss, any kind of separation, any kind of trauma that kids are going through, there's nothing that can't be improved and helped and made better by realizing that we have invisible strings to the people that we love and that we indeed live in a world that is a web of love, you know, and that's, I wrote, I don't know if you, do you know about the other ones? I mean, I wrote, I got, I got the invisible leash and web right behind me. I've read them both. Oh, okay. Okay. So then, you know, I'll just show the cover because it's a beautiful cover, but the invisible web is, 
you know, about how we are all, all of our strings all interconnect and weave together and we live in a web really of love, but yeah, no, the invisible strings just used in, in so many different ways. We created a workbook. My, my um, writing partner, Dr. Dana Weiss is, she's unbelievable. She's got a PhD in art therapies and she created with me kind of just overseeing it and watching her weave her magic. And she created a workbook um, and it's called the invisible string workbook. And it helps the kids take the message of the invisible string to next level. And it's full of like games and activities and all kinds of puzzles and these magical cards at the end that they can use for all sorts of different things. And yeah, I mean, who knew I wrote it for my son who knew what was going to happen. I still don't understand it. I just think that sometimes in life, things have a grace that is beyond, you know, I mean, I've been in the publishing world. I started in adult spiritual books and, you know, so I've been in this world for 25 years now and have a lot of friends and people that are authors. And I, I've seen authors spend huge amounts of money on publicity and advertising marketing campaigns. And I think, I don't know if we ever even bought one ad for this book, but it just was a word of mouth phenomena. That's all I can say. And I feel very humbled and blessed and honored and, and, you know, that I just happened to be the one that (laughs) wrote this little kid's story that, that turned into a big deal. Lucky me. (laughs) Whatever it is, keep doing it. With your books in particular, it seemed like, and if I'm correct me if I'm misunderstanding this, it, it seemed as if it was a book that, especially with your story about your son, it wasn't necessarily written about grief. I mean, I think loss. No, it's become a book about grief, which will pull me in specifically since this is a podcast about death. So it's interesting how that came about by accident. It seemed like, but if you don't mind me asking, feel free to pass this to the side. Have you had your own? I'm sure you. I think we all have um, at some point. Have you had your own personal experience of losses prior to writing the book? Oh yeah. Oh no, absolutely. You know, I think I've always been someone that is you know, not on a morbid level, but fascinated by death. Because once I realized the concept of death and what an inevitability, the the ultimate inevitability of life is death, right? It, it became something worthy of exploration for me. Um, like, where do we go? Where do we come from? What happens? Why are we here? It really started my whole spiritual journey was once I realized there was this, you know, death, it was like, well, how does that work? Um, but when I wrote The Invisible String, Here's the irony, right? Because when I wrote The Invisible String, it was absolutely not a book about death. It wasn't a book about loss. It was just a celebration of love and the interconnectedness um, and how love transcends time and space. But when I was writing it, I wrote one page and one word that alluded to death. And it's when the children ask the mom, they, they've been asking her, how, where does the string reach? And it goes out of space and it goes to the bottom of the ocean and it goes to, you know, the, the top of mountains. And one of the children says, could my string reach Uncle Brian in heaven? And the mom says, yes, even there. And that one little phrase turned it into the number one book for death. And it was interesting. I always mention this because... I had to fight for that word because the publisher really wasn't sure if he wanted death to be spoken of in a children's book. And, and to me, it was so important, you know, and that's what I wanted to bring up too, is that um, children deal with death. They see it 
They hear about it. They have a goldfish that suddenly is floating on its side. They see a dead bird in the street. They hear something on the radio while driving with mom. Someone died. Death is. And the sooner that you can start that conversation with your child, so it's not a scary, taboo subject, I think the better, you know, absolutely the better. I still see, I see so many adults that are, you know, they won't talk about it, but they're in their seventies and eighties and, and, but they won't, you know, won't make any plans. Won't, you know, it, it, like by not thinking about it, it doesn't exist. Well, it exists. It exists. And it's something that I think we need to normalize more than we do in this society anyway. A hundred percent. Like that's my mission with this podcast. And I think your method is so spot on, which I, I think it's so impressive that you're able to attach a method so simple enough for a child to understand and then perfectly built together for an adult to understand. So do you think there's a correlation between just simplifying the abstract that attaches to adults as well? No, I think it's a, you know, super valid. And you said it when you said, you know, like the short attention spans and everything these days, especially with our, you know, interconnectedness of, you know, electronics and, and media um, and social media and, and all of it, it's all happening so fast that I do think we need to get things very simplified and how better, right. Than a picture book with just a few words showing a huge subject so that the child can then, and that's, what's so interesting is I get letters from all over the world from you know, parents, teachers, therapists, clergymen, you know, so that's used all the time in sermons and, you know, from, you know, Jewish synagogues to, you know, Muslim, I, I can't even, it's, it's just, it's, it's everywhere. And they do it for their sermons for the adults. They'll use the invisible string because what is more simple than the fact that we are connected to the people that we love forever and for all time by an invisible string. That's it. <laughs> you said it. <laughs> Seriously. Right. And we have a lot of them yeah. and we have a lot of them. And I was asked a lot of people when they write to me had asked that I do a, a book for specifically animals. That's something that children definitely, though they may not lose adults while they're still children, though they may with their grandparents, et cetera. But children really do see the death of animals and it's a perfect time to bring up that conversation. So you said you have invisible leash, the invisible leash. I've already read it a couple of times. So <laughs> I'm trying to get the book out there. I'm, I'm going to be, this is going to be a hot gift for me. I promise you that. Oh, well, thank you. I wrote it when my own dog was in the, in the process of dying. And I cannot tell you how many times I read my own book and cried as it was still a manuscript for me. Uh, it's going to, it's helping me. It's going to help other people. And then the publisher was so nice. They let me, um, I don't know if you saw, but they let me put in the book a dedication to Coco. I read that. The last let picture. me put, I just couldn't believe they let me do this. I hope it shows up on the camera, but this is Coco. And they let me do a whole dedication to her. And uh, so she lives on. Her legacy lives on forever. Coco, the magical wiener dog. <laughs> and we do. And it's called, it, <laughs> it's called the invisible leash, but it's not the same kind of leash that a pet has when they're down here where they're, you know, we can't let them run around free. This is a leash that connects our hearts. And so whether your beloved animal was your horse or your cat or your cat, your, your guinea pig or your dog or whatever, this is 
we are, the animals all have a special world. Well, we know that we know that already, you know, the animals have a special world that they go to. And I believe that we see them again one day, but that's my personal belief. And I love that. I think uh, it's so applicable to so many different ways. And there's another question, if you don't mind, I'm curious, you know, I, I think this book from my perspective, has, it does have a very spiritual uh, foundation to it. And I, you know, I'm, I'm on par with you and I, I have, I think similar beliefs in what you're writing and what we've uncovered so far in a little bit of time. Have you had any challenge? Cause you were explaining Muslim and all these different backgrounds that have approached you and applying their book and singing praise for this book. Have you ever have experienced any, you know, people just don't see eye to eye on certain things. And this is definitely oh, yeah. a deep standpoint of that doesn't apply to everyone. Do you have any alternative methods for, to explain the similar, the, the topic of death and grieving of loss to people that don't see it the same way, or is the book, or is this not for them? No, 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 no. This is really good that you're bringing this up because this has been an issue. There have been certain people that have loved my book, but take exception to and feel like they can't, sh- because of that, feel like they can't share with their own families or or buy the book because I use the word heaven. And they have written to me or put reviews on Amazon and said, she made this a religious book and you can't get it for your family because it's religious. And my readers are from Every walk of life, every faith or none at all, every religion, everything. It's a book for everybody. Yes, I did use the word heaven. In The Invisible Leash, I used uh, the great beyond. But in, in The Invisible String, I used heaven. And I'm glad I did because it is a word that is sort of universally used as a way of describing permanent physical departure and where we believe someone goes. And for children, especially, I wanted it to be a comforting concept. You know, I sometimes say kind of tongue in cheek and funny, and I, and I don't mean to be sarcastic about it, but I've ha- actually asked some of the people that have written to me, I said, what would you have had me call it? You know, it's a scary enough idea for a child that someone they loved or an animal they loved, they're never going to see again in this lifetime. That's a scary concept. And I say, what would you have preferred me to call it? The dark abyss of nothingness. So, but, but I respect that some people are very uncomfortable with that word heaven. And so what I suggest, and I even wrote in the invisible string, I wrote a letter to my readers in the back of the book, in the paperback, the newer version. Um, And I say, look, you know, I understand if you take issue with that one word. So perhaps you could use it as a springboard for discussion with your family. You could say to the family, we don't believe in the concept of heaven. What we believe is blah, 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 blah. Or there's a Sharpie. You could cross it out and put whatever word you like. But um, all I know is that literally millions, we've almost sold a million copies now. So millions of readers have been so comforted by this book. And I would hate for even one child to not get to find out about their invisible strings because their parent has decided that heaven is, is a religious concept. You know, it's, it's just a word that describes a lovely place (laughs) that our loved ones are. Why can't we let our children have that? You know, why can't we? Yeah, it's hard I, think, I think if the one word is kind of, you know, overshadowing some things, they're missing the point and the foundation of what you're writing. It's-, it's well, it's the old can't see the forest for the trees. And I get it. And, and you know, I respect it. And if someone doesn't want to buy my book because of it, I'll just have to accept that. But it, it kind of breaks my heart for the kids because they are missing 
you know, really the point, which is that we're always connected and, and to our, especially and forever to those that have passed, we still have a connection to them. You know, that's my belief. And um, I'm glad that there are millions of people that are okay with it and love the book because of it. I mean, that's the irony, right? Had I have not written that page, I don't know that the book would be the phenomena it is because I think it was becoming the the number the book for death and dying that kind of catapulted it into all these other arenas too or maybe it all happened at the same time I don't really know but it's just been really interesting to watch and I remember and I don't remember when Sandy Hook that horrible tragedy happened but I remember I got a, a letter from one of the surviving children's fathers who said that the invisible string had helped his daughter come to terms with that all her classmates were now in heaven and that she could still be connected to them. And that was right around the time, I think it was about 10 years ago. And that was right around the time that I started to see the invisible stream being used in all these places. So yeah, love and death, right? The two inevitables of life. Yeah. And they're both intertangled. Yeah. Very intertangled. And I'm, I'm sorry about your father. And I know that, you know, that the Invisible String is not just a children's book, but it's a very real, you know, I say to people, the Invisible String is realer than any. I didn't, I wrote it as a children's story so that I could get the message out there, but it's not just a children's story. It is the most profound truth on this planet, I believe, is that love is the most transcending force in the entire universe. And Love never stops, nor do souls. We are. We just take a break from this reality for a bit. Yeah, and it's easy to get distracted. So I think the you know if if the one word uh, from the message you're trying to give is love, let's just keep it there because I think you know at the end of the day that's what's going to solve all. So I, I think what you're doing is you really hit a nail on the head. I think there's a reason why that one page took off, especially making this topic applicable to children and let alone so many adults and friends that I have that just avoid an inevitable conversation that we're just pushing something to the side. The elephant in the room that no one wants to discuss until it happens is I'm against that in my opinion, but I'm not here to force anyone to do it a certain way. I just think it's a conversation that's needed. And I think you did it so brilliantly that you just snuck it in there in a, in a sense of that one page. You know. Snuck it in, just sort of snuck it in. <laughs> but you did it so wonderfully because it's like it all, it's loss is loss, let alone death. You know, I'm, I'm happy you found a way to bring it to your son. It's a beautiful story in itself beyond the effect you've had on others. Um, other than that, uh, I hope I can get you a little closer to a million and get, send more, more of these book gifts to people. <laughs> Thank and, you. Yeah, let's get to a million. We want to get there this year. One quick, I read, I read the acknowledgments. It was funny before we, you know, we, we can probably wrap this up for you. I know you're a busy woman. I think there was an acknowledgement at the end. I think her name was Mary Ivory or I, I don't know. If yes. I, yes. Don't come with me because I'm from, I'm from Jersey and East Coast. My mother's- You know her? No, no, I don't know. I don't know her. That <laughs> would have been ridiculous. <laughs> I probably would have brought that up sooner. Um, just the way you described her as a fiery Ita- uh, New York. I think it was a fiery New York Italian or something uh-huh. of this sort. Uh-huh. Sounds like my mother and my family, to be honest. And she said, yeah. this is a book someday. And here you are today. Yeah, we were on a deck drinking iced tea. And I was telling her how I had comfort, how Elijah, how he was like doing great now, no separation. I told him about his invisible string. She goes, this should be a book. <laughs> and you know, that was when I went, you know what? I really should write it as a story because, you know, it's how could I reach? Yeah. And that's, you know, I just, the last thing I wanted to say is if you want to send me some good juju, because what we're trying our next dream, right, is for the Invisible String to be film or a television and animated series. So 
books can reach a lot of people. Film and TV can reach a lot more people. So that's the next dream. And hopefully it will happen in the near future. Well, and then I think I'm a little closer to Hollywood for you. So if I know anyone to help you out, I'll, uh, I'll keep yeah, it. Send them my way. Yeah, that's, I, I, I totally back it. So Patrice Cars, I just want to say thank you so much again for being here. You're welcome. David, thank you so much. Of course, we'll be in touch, okay? Okay, we will. Thanks. Bye.